0: This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, Sexual Abuse. There are various types of abuse. Do not allow others to make you feel like you were the reason you were violated. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Let me ask you to
1: open your Bibles. You got to open your Bibles today because I'm going to be going through a lengthy passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel, chapter 13. 2 Samuel, chapter 13. This is a it's a it's a message. It's a story. Uh, Matter of fact, it's one of those stories that is full of drama in the Bible. It's full of drama, full of circumstances and situations that you you might find a, a, a shock to see in the Bible. But yet it's in the Bible. And uh, I'm going to be walking down through these first 19 verses of chapter 13 of 2 Samuel. And what I want to talk about today is one of the underreported crimes, most undiscussed matter. Until recently, it's been a secret. It has not been often talked about. And I want to talk to you today about abuse. I know there's a lot of different abuse. There's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical Psychological abuse, physical abuse. But this is a story about sexual abuse. And that's what I want to talk to you today It's about sexual abuse. And it is a story about a, uh, a young man who violated his sister. Let's read this story. Let me walk with me. And I want to I want to talk about this because it's not talked about often in the church. It is not discussed frequently in the kingdom of God or even in the world, it's not discussed uh, often. Recently though, the Me Too Too movement has brought it to light, has exposed it. And many, many are coming uh, coming out of their pain and out of their circumstances to acknowledge that they too have been violated sexually. And I think the church should talk about it as well. So I wanna spend a few moments and talk about it. And I wanna talk about it from this story of a young man named Absalom. And I, I want to point out several things as we walk through these 19 verses of Second Samuel, chapter 13. Here's what verse beginning of verse one. It says this. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick for he was a virgin for she was a virgin and it was improper from, for Amnon to do anything to her. Amnon, here he is, the son, one of David's, one of the sons of David. Here it was that he uh, wanted something that was forbidden to him. He was he was enthralled and infatuated with his sister Tamar. And the Bible teaches us that he allowed these passions of his flesh to put him in a sick condition. He he was so infatuated and so, so much wanted his sister that the scripture says he became ill. His passion for her, his burden for her became so powerful that he became sick. He wanted to sleep with his sister. And let me tell you something. You are a sick person when every female you look at or somebody that you shouldn't desire becomes a passionate desire of yours. And this man was not just sick physically. He was sick psychologically. He was sick emotionally. Something's wrong when you want something that you shouldn't have. He was a sick man and the potential for you and I to make a human being that we ought to look at in one way, become the object of our sexual desires is a sick thing, and that was Amnon's problem. Most victims of domestic violence or sexual uh, abuse happened when they were violated by somebody that they knew. Tamar knew Amnon, and Amnon knew Tamar. And, and most, unfortunately, most people who are victims of this have, has it happened to them by virtue of somebody that they're related to or somebody that's close to their family Somebody that they know. And this was the case here. So many people have been uh, victimized. But here's the deal that the scripture tells us right here, that it was improper. Verse two for Amnon to have an immoral relationship with his own sister. And so if I was going to give you a point today, my first point here today is that God has established boundaries, restrictions. We live in a culture where people don't want boundaries. They don't want restrictions. They don't want to have limitations and boundaries on what they can have, and what they can't have. But the truth of the matter is God has established boundaries, restrictions. I think it's a burden. That you and I must learn as a part of our life to respect and honor the boundaries that God has established. That's what the purpose of the commands are. That's what the purpose of the scriptures are are to tell us what God's boundaries are, and that we ought not cross those boundaries. We ought not violate those boundaries. We ought ought not ignore those boundaries. When you cross over those boundaries, there are consequences. We don't want to think that there are consequences. We don't want to believe or embrace the fact that something happens when you cross those boundaries. But Amnon, unfortunately, wanted to do something that It was known he should not do. It was known it was stated and he wanted to cross those established boundaries that God has created. You and I have boundaries. And guess what? Our flesh always wants to go down the path to do something that God said don't do. But the encouragement from our master today is honor the boundaries that he's established. But the story doesn't end there. He he got so sick because of his fleshly desires. But look, here's an, uh, let, let's pick up at verse 3 with this story. It says, but, verse thir- 3, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemeiah, David's brother. Now, Jonadab, Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day by day, day after day? Will you not tell me?" Amnon said to him, "I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister." Y'all see that now? Now it's his his brother's sister. <laughs> okay, that's another discussion. So, so Jon- 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 Jonadab said to him, "Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him." Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Get the picture. He he finds himself. Listening to the advice of a so-called friend. And his friends, his friend wrongly influenced him and convinced him and persuaded him to come up with a plot and a scheme to do something that was immoral. And I think we ought to talk about this because he, he along with his friend, plotted and schemed for him to violate his sister. And I want, I, I think it's important for you and I to recognize who are the people that we hang out with. Here, here's, here's the problem. He's hanging out with somebody who's giving him bad advice. And you and I need need to be careful. As a matter of fact, here's my second warning to you that your friendships and your relationships matter. You need to have friendships and relationships that are going to urge you to make righteous choices, even when you want to do something that's not righteous. Everybody needs to take an evaluation of who your friends are. Who are the people that you relate to? Who are the people that you talk to? Who are the people that influence you to make choices and decisions? Everybody who wants to please God needs to have relationships of people who will urge you to make righteous choices. No man was created to be an island. God did not create you to operate in an isolated way by yourself. That's number one. Nobody's called to be alone. But also everybody must be careful who you connect with has your friends. I want the kind of friends in my life that when I'm thinking about doing the wrong thing, they'll challenge me to do the right thing. Those are the kind of people I want in my life. I want people in my life who when I'm thinking down the wrong path, when I'm considering unrighteous things, I don't want them to encourage me and tell me it's going to be okay. You and I need to evaluate our friends. And yes, it's okay to get some people out of your life you've got some people in your life that are not challenging you to make righteous choices, you've got bad friends. But be rest assured of this. Be, be confident of this. They are either influencing you or you are influencing them. The truth of the matter is some of us have some things going on and swirling around in our minds and in our hearts that we're pondering and considering and giving weight to. And the reality of the fact is you need some people surrounding you in your life who will give you the right kind of suggestions and challenge. First Corinthians 15, verse 33, jot that verse down. First Corinthians 15, verse 33 says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Don't be deceived. The people you hang out with, evil company corrupts good behavior. The people who you surround yourself with, will either encourage you, challenge you, say the right thing to you, or encourage you to go on the wrong path. And Amnon finds himself listening to somebody who doesn't give him sound advice. They come up with a plot and a scheme to deceive. As a matter of fact, let me pick up this verse, verse six. It says this, then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please. Let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. The king, the, the father gave Tamar the instructions, go to your brother's house. And fix a meal for him and feed him. Verse 8 says So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying there. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. Amnon plotted to deceive his father and his sister. He lied to his daddy and his sister. He lied. And many, let me tell you something, many people who have the wrong intentions will plot a lie or a scheme to defeat you. Their behavior reveals their true motives. Late night phone calls, secret rendezvous, secret relationships. There was no fault or deceit on Tamar's fault. She didn't do anything wrong. She honored what her father asked her to do. She walked down the right path. She made a righteous choice. She obeyed her father and she served. She went to serve her sick brother Amnon. But here's the deal. Here's my third point that I want to make about this. Deception is an indication of immoral motives or an immoral heart. Deception. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because no no person can determine what's in your heart, but you have to determine what's in your heart. Nobody else. There is no spiritual gift to go in and look at what's in a person's heart. What's their motive? Nobody can determine that. But you have to determine it for yourself. You have to determine what's the real reason I'm asking or doing what it is I'm doing. And here what I think is important, the scripture is crystal clear. Proverbs 618, it down. Proverbs 618 says that the heart uh, 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 devises wicked plans. The heart comes up with a plan that's not righteous and not holy and not pleasing in the sight of God. Jeremiah 17, 9, the text that uh, Reverend Thomas read today says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Your heart will play tricks on you and make you think that something is right when it's not right. All of us have to weigh and evaluate our heart. And how do you know when your heart's not right? When it comes up with a deceitful plan. That's one of the indications that you're headed in the wrong direction when you have to lie about it, when you have to sneak around, when you have to maintain a secret, when there's some things you can't talk about. That's the That is the wickedness of the heart. Your, your heart and my heart cannot be trusted. It will lead us down a path. And when you find deception in the play, when you find deception in the scheme, you can rest assured that your heart is plotting to do something that's wicked. And that was unfortunately Amnon's situation. That he allowed his heart to walk down a path of deceiving his father and deceiving his sister. He is laying up in the bed acting like him is sick. Acting like he got an illness all for the purpose of raising, of defiling his sister. Rest assured that so much defilement has gone on with somebody behaving deceptively. In verse nine, it says this. "And She took the, the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me, and they all went out from him. He kicked everybody out the room. Then Ammon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come. Lie with me, my sister. But she answered him. No, my brother, do not force me for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I where could I take my shame and as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. He forced himself on his sister. He forced himself. She made an appeal. She said, ask ask daddy. Because she knew her father would not allow him to violate his own sister. She knew that. She knew her father would look out for her and protect her. But he forced himself and many women. I want to talk for just a moment about the many of of people, men and women, by the way, who have been forced, had themselves, somebody forced themselves upon them. And for so many of you, unfortunately, You've carried the guilt and the shame. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want to challenge those who have forced themselves upon somebody else. That's not appealing. That's not godly. That's not the will of God. You never ever, here's point four, it is never right to force yourself upon another person. Never is it right to force yourself on another person. In any way, any form, any fashion, is it ever proper to force yourself or some action or some behavior? or some act upon somebody else, it's wicked. It is ungodly. The modern day Me Too movement is speaking out loud finally, thank God, and people are being exposed who have done this for decades. And I want to say to you, it's wrong for you to force yourself, and I want to say to every person, never allow anybody to force themselves upon you. Have the bold, the courageousness. It's never right to do that. Nothing makes it okay. It doesn't matter what your position, what your posture, how much power you have, what authority you have. It's never proper to force yourself on another person. I don't care who you are. But yet Amnon forced himself. He forced himself. It's it's sickening to think that you would derive pleasure from forcing yourself on somebody. Amen to the Me Too movement. Who are now speaking out loudly about the many, many people who have been violated in this way. Verses 15 through 19. It says this. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, arise, be gone. Now that he got what he wanted, he rejects her. Now that he did what he wanted to do, he further abuses her by rejecting her. Verse 16. So she said to him, no, indeed, the evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servants who attended him and said, here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. And she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head and wept and went away crying bitterly. She felt rejected and shame. This is the normal behavior posture and and, and, and re- response of a person who's been violated. They carry a sense of rejection and shame and many of them feel as though they have done something that facilitated this abuse. But I wanna say that every person who's been abused it is not your fault. Don't you pick up that shame. Don't let the enemy beat you up to make you feel as though you are somehow responsible. It is never proper for anyone under any circumstances. To force themselves upon you. It is the tragedy, the sadness, the pain makes my heart bleed when I hear about story after story after story, as I have counseled woman after woman after woman, and some men who have had themselves violated by some wicked person. I want to say to you, don't allow Others, bad behavior to make you feel as though you're the cause to violate you. I think this is an important point I want to make today, because when somebody violates you, you need to understand this to every person who's been violated. Let me say this to you. The way God formed us and the way God made us, we are a triune being. We are body, soul and spirit. What you see of me is my body, the external part of Of a house that I live in. It is the external home that the real me lives in. My soul lives in this body. My soul includes my mind, my will, my emotions. And then there's yet an innermost, inner part of me, an inner uh, inner chamber, the spirit person, the spirit that gives me life. The spirit that the Holy Spirit connects with, that gives me the vibrancy of life that I have. And I want to say to you today that if somebody has violated you externally, if they have violated your body, you control whether they violate your soul and your spirit. And I want to say to you today, if you've been violated, if you've been abused, stop the violation At the external point, let let, say say you violated me externally, you violated my body, but I'm not going to let you violate my heart. I'm not going to let you violate my soul. I'm not going to let you violate my mind. I'm not going to let you violate my spirit. When you let them violate your spirit, you become bitter and angry and upset. And now they are controlling you. But I'm here to tell you, and the whole purpose of this message today is to give you an answer and say to you that I want to say to you, if you've been violated, I want to tell you today and give you a a hope today to know that you don't have to let that violation continue into the being of who you are and whose you are. They might have violated your flesh. They might have violated your body, but they don't have to violate the way you think and your emotions and your spirit, or your will. And that's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the Lord Jesus, of who we serve, is that He has made available to us a power that brings healing to those who've been violated. It is the power of the gospel that lets you know that you are loved and you have not been rejected, you have not been turned aside, you have not been held accountable. God does not hold the violated has account responsible for somebody else's actions. It's important that you understand that God, the Lord Jesus himself, makes available to us healing. And it's important to let the person know who did the violation, that there is a there is a power in the gospel. To help you find forgiveness and to change your behavior. I suspect that if you violated one person, you'll violate others. And perhaps maybe some of you here today and you haven't just violated one, you have probably more than likely violated a multitude of people. But the power of the gospel lets us know that there is hope and deliverance. That's the power of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The power of Calvary is this. The power of putting your trust in the Lord Jesus is he washes us and cleanses us. The power of it is he heals us. The blood that Jesus shed on Calvary heals us from all of our sickness, all of our problems, all of our pain, all of our hurt. The blood of Jesus heals us from all of that. And I've got great news for you today. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood. And his blood is available to you right now. Hallelujah.
0: You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. There is hope and deliverance when you put your trust in Jesus. If you've been blessed by this message and you would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglennardin.org give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.